Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hey, so I just got to tell you guys up front, I am fighting off a cold. And so if I, if I start staring off into space or something, it's, it's the Sudafed, I promise. Um, but yeah, like Andrew said, last week we kicked off a uh, mini-series on, on worship. Uh, Michael taught, kind of gave us a biblical foundation of why we worship and, and kind of how we worship. If you remember, he talked about like the biblical examples of singing and clapping and shouting and dancing and all that kind of stuff. And we called this series Worship is a Verb. And the reason that we are calling it worship is a verb because worship is something that you do. Oftentimes we think of worship as like I was caught in worship or worship was something that came over me. And, and that is something that can be true. But most of the time when the Bible talks about worship, it is talking about something that is an action, something that we actually participate in and that we do. And so if you didn't listen to last week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can listen to it on our website, or you can grab a CD on the, on the counter out there. Um, but I want to start off to, uh, this, this morning by just making a really um, foundational statement about worship. And it's this. Everybody worships, and you do not have a choice of whether you worship or not. Worship is not a choice. It is how we were made. It was why we were made. It's, it's deep inside of who we are. It's in our nature. If you, if you could you know, go into our genes, you would see there, there's something inside of us that is made to worship. It's what we do. And I would say that worship is something that we are doing all of the time. We are always worshiping. The author, David Foster Wallace, who, he's not a Christian author, but he, he's a brilliant, brilliant author. He, he wrote a book called Infinite Jest, um, and it was pretty popular. But one thing he said in a speech shortly before he died was this. He said, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. David Foster Wallace, while, while, while he didn't know Jesus, I think he was on to something that is profoundly true. That inside of every single person, there is something that is constantly worshiping. And what does he mean by that? What do I mean by that, that we are always worshiping? Well, if you remember last week, Michael showed us a graph and he called it the worship pie. Do you remember that? It was a delicious pie. Um, but you can show that picture. So here is the worship pie. And last week, Michael talked about the, the green piece of the pie, the direct worship. And that's when uh, we do what we just did, where we get together and we sing, uh, we tell God how amazing he is, and it's direct. We, we are telling God with our words that we love him. But the rest of the graph, which is, which is most of the graph, is, is what we would call indirect worship. And, and what is that? What is indirect worship? Well, well, we would say indirect worship is everything else that we do. Everything that we do in our life is indirect worship. 
So so how is everything that we do indirect worship? Well, to answer that question, we kind of need to answer a really fundamental question. What is worship? What is worship? And so uh, some of you guys might know this, but if you don't, um, when I lead worship and when most of the people lead worship, we finish leading worship for you guys, and then we go back in the back and lead worship for your kids. And it's, I really enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but one of the things I almost always ask your kids is I'll go back there with my guitar and I'll say, hey, do you guys know what we're about to do? And almost, you know, every time they'll say, worship, worship. I'm like, that's right. Now, what is worship? And they'll say, it's praising God or it's singing or it's, they'll give me all these answers. And I'll say, but do you guys know that we can worship God in everything that we do? And they'll go, what? I'm like, yeah. Anything that we do that is, that is being obedient to God, anything that we do that is honoring him, anything that we do that says, God, I trust you and you're the best, is worship. So when you are kind to your brothers and sisters, that's worship. When you're obedient to mommy and daddy, that's worship. When you're kind to your neighbor, that's worship. And so the same thing is true, not just for the kids, but for us. Everything that we do is worship. And so when we think about the definition of worship, it's, it's, it's I think, easy to understand what it is when we take it out of the context of Christianity. If we take Jesus out of it, take even religion out of it. If we said that someone worships money, what would we mean by that? We would mean it consumes them. It's what they think about. It's what drives them. It's, you know, the thing that motivates them in life. It's, it's the thing that they value more than anything else. And I think that's what David Foster Wallace in that quote was getting at, is we all place value on things in our life, and there's always something in our life that we are saying, this is the most important thing. And whatever that is, is what we are worshiping. I mean, if you, if, you, if you didn't know this, actually, the word worship comes from the word worthship, what you give worth to. It's what we say is worthy, what is, what is valuable, what we say is more important than anything else. So indirect worship would be how we live. What are we saying with our lives is what we value. And does your life say that you value God above everything else? Or does it say you value something else? Would it say maybe you value money or maybe you value other people's opinions or maybe you value success or all kinds of things? But does the way we live say that God is good? Does the way we live say that God is trustworthy? Does it say that he's kind and generous and all, all these things? Because we can sing the songs, right? We can sing all those songs that we just finished singing, but, but really it's our lives that declare what we're actually worshiping. The songs are important, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But really what says what we are really worshiping is the way that we live. 
It's how we choose to, to treat our neighbors. It's how we choose to, to walk in our marriage. It's how, how we choose to, 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 to treat um, our coworkers or, or how we live when no one else is watching. That will, that will, that will declare what we're really worshiping. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says it this way. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul is saying even in the way that we eat or drink or, or sleep or, or in everything that we do, we can do it to honor God. Paul is saying that everything that we do is worship. Again, everyone worships. We are worshiping all the time, and we would believe that the Bible tells us that God alone is worthy of our worship. He is the one who is to be elevated above everything else. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's, it's actually the first two Ten Commandments tell us that God is to be worshiped alone. Um, I'll just read it to you. Exodus chapter 20 says, You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. And the second commandment is you shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above or anything beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. The Ten Commandments, the first two, the first most important really commandments are God is number one and, and nothing else should be worshiped. And so the statement I made earlier that worship is not a choice, I want to clarify um, if we worship is not a choice, we are always placing value. We are always saying this is the most important thing. We are always worshiping. But let me say this. Who or what we worship, that is a choice. And, and I, I would say that it's probably the most important choice that we ever have to make of what holds value in your life? What is the most important thing? Is it God or is it something else? Who we worship is the most important choice that we can make. And so let me ask you this, who gets your worship? You know, on Monday through Saturday, who gets your worship? And this is not just like a one-time thing where we say a prayer and we say, you know, God gets my worship, but this is a daily choice. It is a daily choice. That's why we say worship is a verb. It is something that we do on a daily basis. Oftentimes, you know, like I said earlier, we think of worship more of this feeling. Like, oh, I just felt so worshipful or I felt filled with worship or worship came over me or something like that. And, and I understand what we're saying when we say that. But I love this quote by Graham Kendrick. He says, worship has mis been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship isn't just something that we just get so filled up with that we just can't help it. Worship is something that we choose to do. We say yes to Jesus. And I know so many times, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I, I imagine many of you guys can relate to this. I'll come to church and I'll say something like, oh, I don't really feel like worshiping. But the truth is, is I don't have that choice. 
What I'm really saying is I don't feel like worshiping God. I am worshiping. I am always worshiping. Worship is not about whether we feel like it or not. It's about saying yes to Jesus. And not only that, like I said, we are created to worship. But fundamentally, we're not just created to worship. We are created to worship God. We're created to have relationship with him. That's why he made us, to to be in relationship with him, to, to give him glory, to honor him, to be loved and to love him. And so if we are created to worship God, when we are worshiping something else, we are functioning in a purpose that's, that's not what we are created to do. And that is super significant, because let me say this. So many times when I feel unrest in my heart, when I feel like uh, disunity inside of me, when I feel like anxious or stressed out or something, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, it is because I am worshiping something else other than God. So many times where I feel unrest, it's because I have been putting value in something else in my life other than God. Maybe it's the approval of others. Maybe it's, it's success. Maybe it's, you know, the amount of zeros in my bank account. And oftentimes, when, when I choose to say, oh, no, God, you are the first. You're the most important thing. I worship you. The, the unrest begins to settle. And again, not always. There's lots of variables. We live in a broken world and there's, there's issues of mental health and lots of, lots of issues. But oftentimes I find that the unrest is because our, our value system is all messed up and God is like third or fourth or fifth. It's like when you use a tool in a way that it wasn't supposed to be used, it doesn't work that well. But when you use a tool the way it was supposed to be used, it functions better. And the same goes for us. When we are doing the thing that God made us to do, we will function better than if we are fighting against that and, and trying to worship other things, putting other things on the throne of our lives. A.W. Tozer, who's one of my favorite authors, he says this. Um, he puts it this way. He says, without worship, we go miserable. Without worship, we go miserable. And again, we're talking about not just what we're doing here on the weekends, but we're talking about who we decide to put on the throne of our lives, who we say is number one, what we're really worshiping. Because here's the problem. Don't you find sometimes when we come into church, I'll say this for myself, so many times when I come into church, I just am not feeling worship. I'm not getting anything out of it. But I would say it's because there is a direct correlation between the indirect worship and the direct worship. If we are living our lives in the indirect worship, if we are worshiping God in the indirect ways, worship has way more meaning when we come here and gather together. And they directly affect one another. If you know, there's 168 hours in a week, and if 167 of them I'm worshiping the God of success, then the hour I come and worship, you know, the Jesus, that's going to feel weird and empty and not make a whole lot of sense, right? Let me let me say it this way: If you know, me and my wife, we have a date night. 
And we will be really intentional once a week where we connect with each other and we engage with one another and we try to do something fun and we try to say nice things to one another. And I, I tell her she's beautiful and she's kind and she's wonderful. Um, and that's great. And that's good for our marriage. We, we do that and it really helps us. But if for every other part of the week I was being a jerk and I was disrespecting her, and I was doing things that were just not faithful to her, then that date night would be empty. That would just be empty words that didn't mean anything. What we do in the indirect, big time, big time influences the direct, but the opposite is true as well. That, that, that date night I have with my wife can help us to realize how much we care for one another. And it helps me to serve her throughout the rest of the week, to honor her, to respect her. And, and let me just say this, if all I did was serve my wife, but I never stopped and say, said, I love you, that would be an issue, right? And I need to vocalize, I need to, I need to have a time where I'm directly saying, I value you. And not just with my actions, but with my words. And not just with my words, but with my actions. They both matter. And the same is true with our worship. Our actions matter and our words matter. And so let me, let me shift gears a little bit. We've been talking about the indirect worship. I want to shift gears to talk about the direct worship and why this is important. Because if you've ever, if you've ever thought, like, why do we do this? Like, why do we come together and sing these songs and, you know, spend a big chunk of the service uh, singing songs? It just, it can seem weird, but I want to just talk about the values that I see in it and some things that I think are really important. Just four little things that I found really compelling, and hopefully you will as well. But the first one is really simple. The reason that we do this the reason that we gather together as a church family and sing to God is because I believe that God is honored in our worship. God is honored by it. Michael did a great job last week. I'm not going to rehash it, but it is over and over and over again in Scripture where we see the idea that there's a mandate for us to get together and sing and get together and shout and dance and proclaim the goodness of God. And I love this idea. In, in Psalm 22, the, it tells us that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. That there's something about our praises that actually act as a throne for God. Isn't that cool? Our songs that we sing to him enthrones him and honors him. It lifts him up. It glorifies him. And so the worship we do is because he deserves it. And it honors him. So again, it's not if we feel like it or not, but it, we do it because it's right. It's a way to honor him. Francis Chan said in a book recently, he, he said this, um, a random churchgoer says, I really didn't like worship today. Francis Chan said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> I like that. We're about lifting him up. It's about, it's about honoring him. It really doesn't matter if we get anything out of worship. It's, it's, did you get anything out of it, Jesus? 
Were you honored this morning? It's primarily about him. And, and notice, I didn't say it's only about him. That's a sentiment I hear a lot um, that worship leaders will say sometimes, and, and people will say it's all about God. And I don't think that's true. I think it's primarily about God, but I think it's about everything. Worship is about all of us and him, and, and, and it's not just, you know, it's about him getting my praise it's about all of us. And this, this, is, this leads me to the second one. It's that intimacy happens in worship. It's not just about lifting him up. It's actually also about drawing near to him and connecting with him. Do you know one of the words that is most common in the Old Testament for worship, one of the most common words for worship literally means to draw near as to kiss. That worship is like you're drawing near to Jesus, like you're going to kiss him. There's intimacy that happens in worship. And, and I want you to hear this. When I say intimacy, so many, I, mostly men, will get kind of turned off, like, oh, well, that's not for me. Um, but when, when I say intimacy, I don't want you to think of, uh, like, romantic, gentle, soft, it can be that. That is, that is part of intimacy. But intimacy just means connection. It just means connection. So we can connect through loud celebration. We can connect in all different kinds of ways. It doesn't just have to be soft, intimate. It can be loud, intimate as well, and happy, intimate. Think connection when we talk about intimacy. John Wimber says this. He's the founder of the vineyard. He says, it's helpful to understand why and how we worship God. It's also helpful to understand what happens when we worship God. We are headed to one goal, intimacy with God. And I define intimacy as belonging to or revealing one's deepest nature to one another, in this case to God. And it's marked by close association, presence, and contact. So when we think about intimacy, it's about connecting with God. I love this definition of intimacy. It's into me see. You can see inside. You can see what I value. You can see what I care about. You can see my insecurities. You can see my dreams, my hopes. You can see everything. And it's both ways. It's intimacy. We're, we're, we're connecting with one another. And that's why, if, you, if you'll notice, the majority of the songs that we sing are written to Jesus and not about him. Have you ever noticed that? Some of the songs we sing are saying, you know, Jesus died and rose and, and God created, but most of them are saying, you came and saved me. I love you. And it's I, you language and not he language. And we, be, we do that because we believe that God is here with us and we are singing to him and we desire and are pursuing intimacy with him. Because I believe intimacy with God is where all of our, 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 our walk with Jesus, the whole thing about Christianity, it all starts in intimacy with him. Everything else flows out of that intimacy. 
So many times we get it backwards and and we think, no, obedience and doing the right thing is primarily the most important thing and and not doing the bad things and, and and then I will get intimacy with God. If I'm obedient, then I get intimacy. And if I do the indirect worship good enough, if I, if I live my life in a manner that is pleasing to God, then I get intimacy with him. But that is backwards. It's the intimacy that helps us to, to, to do the indirect worship, to be obedient, to depend on him, to, 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 to grow in maturity. Intimacy is where it starts, and it's so foundational in our Christian faith to say, um, I believe in a God that can be known, wants to be known, and is not hiding from me. And so we connect with him, and, and, our, and our walk flows out of that. Third thing is uh, worship reminds us of truth. The reason that we do this is because it reminds us of what's really true. Paul was kind of saying that this morning when he was talking about, you know, like, Some of us are struggling and some of us are going through hard times, but we sing these things because we know that they are true. And it reminds us of the truth. Worship reminds us of truth. And at this point in ministry, I am preaching more often than I'm leading worship. Um, But I'm still part of a team that kind of oversees what songs we pick. I still oversee worship in the church, but, but I have a, a team of people who help me pick what songs that we're going to sing, and we take that really seriously because the songs that we sing um, are really important. It says a lot about who we believe God is and how he sees us. I, I, I know this. I know that I'm preaching more often than I'm leading worship now, but I know in five years, you probably won't remember the sermons that I preached. Uh, on Wednesday, you'll probably forget the sermon that I preached. <laughs> but you know what you will remember? The songs that we sang together. You'll remember those. Those deeply impact who we are and what we believe. I, I've had the privilege of being next to people um, on their deathbed. And it's such an honor to have that um, but so often, what, what is talked about is, is, is the songs that they loved. Sometimes they're church songs, sometimes they're not. I remember listening to Elvis with someone one time, and it was just, they loved Elvis. But you know, I'll tell you, the thing that comes up most often is amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Those words resonate with people, and, and they mean something. And, and I believe that there are certain truths that can't just be said. They need to be sung. And they take on more meaning when you sing them, right? When you sing it, it, it means more somehow. And so we sing these songs because they remind us of what's true. And actually, if you read the Psalms, we see this over and over again, where the psalmist, they're not just singing to God, they're actually singing to themselves. A lot of the Psalms start this way. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. 
And you know what they're saying? They're saying soul. They're talking to themselves. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. They're reminding themselves what to do, and they'll go on to say things like his, his faithfulness is never ending, and his, you know, his kindness never fails, and different things like this, but they are preaching to themselves. They're singing to themselves to remind them of the truth about who God is. And so that's one of the reasons that we do this and sing, because we're reminding ourselves of, tr- of truth. But you know what? We're not just reminding ourselves of truth, but we're reminding one another of truth as well. This is really cool. In Ephesians chapter 5, I read this a couple years ago, and it really shifted the way I thought about this singing portion of church. It says, sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. It says, to, to one another. Not just to God, but to one another. And I thought, that's really interesting. And the reason we do it is because we are reminding each other of what is true. I had a friend who a few years ago um, just had a horrible year. She was a worship leader at, a, at another vineyard in, in another state. And she had two miscarriages. She, her mother died. It was just an awful year. And she just said, I, I, I can't do this. I need to step down. I need to just step down from leading worship because I don't know if I have the strength to sing these songs. And she would come into church and she said there was something so powerful about the body singing the truths over her. And one of her friends said, uh, we sing for the ones who can't. We sing the truths about who God is for the ones who can't. We'll declare the goodness of God if you can't do it. We can do it for you. And so we, we, we do this because it honors God. We do this because we can have intimacy with him. We do this because it reminds each other of, of what's true. And finally, I want to say, because battles are won in our worship. There is power in this. There is power in this. I think, Matt Redman talks about this a lot, about mission and, and worship need to go hand in hand because there is power in our worship. I've seen it over and over. I've seen a number of times in my life where um, people are healed in worship. I saw a man have a tumor shrink on his neck during worship. I've seen miracles happen in worship, um, but it's not just circumstantial evidence that this is biblical. If you read throughout scripture, you see amazing things happen in worship. In Joshua chapter 5, in the, the story of Jericho, the walls of Jericho tumble down. Why do they tumble down? It's not because, you know, they were throwing rocks at it. They tumble down because of the shouts and praises of the people of God. In 2 Chronicles 20, there's a story about the Israelites, the people of God who were, who were facing this enormous army and they were going into battle and they were, gonna, they were sure they were going to lose. They were c- completely outnumbered and they had less, less weapons, less horses, less chariots, less everything. They sure they were going to lose, but before the battle, they worshiped. And you know what happened? God won the battle for them. They didn't have to lift a finger. 
And again, they, they, they won the battle not because they had better swords. They won the battle through their worship. God won their battle. Acts 16, we read a story of Paul and Silas being thrown into prison for sharing the gospel. And I'll, and I'll actually read this one. Um, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the door, prison doors flew open and everyone's, everyone's chains came loose. It was through their worship. Paul didn't sneak a, you know, a chisel in there. It was their worship. And so here's what I believe. Why don't, we're going we're to worship some more. And here's what I believe the band wants to come up. I believe that there is such power in our worship. And, and I know this to be true, that there are some people here today who you have walls, like the wall of Jericho. You have walls in your life that you are, you are just waiting to see crumble down. There are things that you are just crashing into that you can't overcome. Hardships, you know, financial difficulties, struggles. There are people here who are facing battles. You are going to battle, and maybe, maybe you're battling with illness. Maybe you're battling cancer. Maybe you're battling um, issues with a real enemy in your life. There's someone who is out to hurt you. You have battles with, 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 with something or someone There are people here who are in bondage, who are in chains and are in prison. They're in chains to, to addiction. I, I think there are people here who are facing addictions to painkillers, to, to alcoholism. There are people here who are addicted to pornography and, and you are just struggling in these chains. And I think maybe... Maybe the key to the walls crumbling down, the battles being won, the chains being broken, maybe the key starts in our worship. Maybe God can win the battle for us. The thing that we have been just hoping for can happen in our worship. And so why don't we stand? We are going to end off by worshiping. And I just want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, there is freedom to worship the way that you were made to worship. So you can clap your hands. You can, you can, there's space in the back that you can dance. You can sing. You can shout. You can lift your hands. You can bow. You can kneel. But we are going to worship God. And we're going to worship God for those four reasons. Because he deserves it. He deserves our praise. Because we get to meet with him. He is here and he wants to have intimacy with us. We're going to worship because we need to remind each other and ourselves of truth. And we are going to worship because there are battles that need to be won. Battles in our communities, battles in ourselves, battles in our families. And we're going to worship God in those battles. So I just want to encourage you, let's worship together. Paul, you guys want to lead us? Just feel free, you can move around the room, you can 